From the Institute for Agriculture and Trade Policy, I'm Lily Richard, back with another update from COP27. IATP has been attending and participating in side events at the COP, lifting up the demands of our allies calling for climate justice, and following and responding to the official announcements coming from countries and UNFCCC subsidiary bodies. I heard from IATP Europe Director Shafali Sharma early on Friday, November 11th, ahead of IATP's second-to-last day at the conference. Here's Shafali. Good morning. It's um, Friday, November 11th. Uh, I'm in Sharm el-Sheikh in Egypt at COP27. It's been a very hectic, full-on week. Uh, we've had very long days, 10, 12-hour days. Um, the first Half of the meeting was a big struggle with food, and to some extent it still is, and water and bathrooms. But I think slowly the the organizing folks are getting their act together, but that's made it more challenging. It's been great to see a lot of our colleagues from around the world. The COP space is quite challenging. There's a lot of negotiations happening Um uh, observers such as the environmental NGO constituency, um, there's the CAN uh, folks under that Climate Action Network, and there's the Demand Climate Justice Platform, IATP's part of both, get to say what they want to say in open meetings, but too often when big decisions are being made, they go into informal, informal mode, which is all the governments or the relevant governments, they go and have a huddle. And civil society groups can't participate in that. So there's a lot to be said about the lack of transparency in these processes. I would also say that it's really difficult for many NGOs and definitely community-based groups to participate in this place, even a group like IATP it's very hard to follow the negotiations. You have to invest a lot of time and energy throughout the year if you really want to understand what is happening on any given issue that they're negotiating. For IATP, our big concerns are Article 6, Article 6.4, which has to do with um, financing of mitigation uh, related to market-based approaches, which are really just code word for carbon markets. And Article 6.8, which is about uh, public financing for mitigation measures. And that's what's being negotiated this week. We're part of the Climate, Land, Ambition, and Rights Alliance, CLARA. And um, really trying to influence and support this uh, amazing group of colleagues who have a lot of expertise in the text and negotiations to ask developing countries and ask other governments and um, industrialized countries to really slow down and to stop any kind of um, carbon offsetting. But that is the purpose of this um, this paragraph uh, article, this article. So there's not much you can do in terms of moving on that front other than damage control and to, to create accountability in that process. Um, earlier this week, we had this horrible three-page guidance from a scientific body that was established as part of this article, and they issued a big definition for carbon removals, which included oceans, land, and everything else. And allies and IETP jumped on this, and we 
called a meeting yesterday with governments to give our serious concerns to reject this guidance and to go back to the drawing board to over the next couple of years to actually think about what carbon removals are based on science and what we know about science. Uh, carbon sinks are really vulnerable right now and so to pretend like we can sequester all this carbon from oceans and land you know without qualifying what that means and what the science is 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 very dangerous and luckily I mean, many countries are going to reject this guidance and send it back for the scientific body to work on again uh, after the COP. Um, another point that we made very clearly was that many of these governments signed on to the San Jose principles, which is about respecting and protecting indigenous rights and human rights and also ecosystem integrity. And so they need to make sure that any guidance that comes from the scientific body puts as a key priority the impact of anything that happens under this article um, in protecting human and indigenous rights and uh, ecosystem integrity. So that's those are big things. Uh, for now, the danger we think is averted, but we're going to have to really make sure that any work that comes out of the scientific body really focuses on the governance of what counts as removals and uh, grievance mechanisms and how does civil society participate in something like this. So very critical. Um, what else? The other track we've been following is Core Nivea Joint Work on Agriculture, where governments today are going to be yesterday evening and today are discussing what the future of agriculture is going to be in the Core Nivea program. Are they going to continue having conversations and workshops? Are they going to start talking about finance? Are they going to start talking about mitigation? I'm hearing right now that countries like India are actually saying we don't want to discuss mitigation of agriculture within Coronivia. Um, I think many countries are interested in financing for for an agriculture transition. Um, I'll find out more today. Um, ITP is here till tomorrow and then we'll be following what happens in the outcome next week. Um, also really excited to, um, you know, we've had great coverage of our fertilizer report with grain last week, so this, this week, and so we're excited about that, um, especially in light of the fact that the EU made a fertilizer strategy announcement, which was not good, and we were able to weigh in on um, the EU's addiction to fertilizer and, and the cost that it's, you know, created for many countries and while agribusinesses profited. The second thing and we're excited about is our Emissions Impossible series, the fourth report that we're launching with Changing Markets Foundation next week. Um, it's coming out on Tuesday. It's called Emissions Impossible, the Methane Edition, How Big Meat and Dairy Are Heating Up the Planet. And, uh, yeah, it really focuses on the methane footprint of these big um, global corporations that are um, processing meat and dairy around the world. And uh, it's timely because next week there will be several events on methane, one on the 15th day of the launch um, and the Global Methane Pledge announcements on the 17th of November. And uh, the bottom line is that uh, these governments don't want to address agriculture. And in particular, they don't want to address the role of these corporations in 
the significant chunk of methane that is coming from from the way that they produce their model, and that it's really time for a systems change towards agroecological production. So with that, I'm going to head to the conference center today and um, looking forward to meeting different groups and listening to what different um, side events have to say and to follow these negotiations today. And uh, yeah, take care. You can find more news, reports, and information about COP27, including our recent fertilizer report and the forthcoming Emissions Impossible report, on our web hub at iatp.org COP27-2022. If you enjoyed this podcast, please remember to subscribe and rate us on your favorite podcast platform. And if you'd like to support IATP's work researching and advocating for just sustainable food and agriculture systems, go to iatp.org slash donate.